This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Grinolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetters. Day three. Fall camp in the books. Absolutely chamber of commerce, picture-perfect day in Seattle. Temperature uh, during football practice, probably mid-high uh, 70s, really nice. We talked to Michael Penix, and, uh, yeah, he likes this weather, you know, coming from Florida and, um, you know, coming in from Indiana. He goes, yeah, I'm wearing long sleeves today. So, But uh, just absolutely perfect conditions out here at Husky Stadium where I think it's pretty fair to say the defense won the day. Yeah, I would say so, Kim. Um you know, it was the first. It was the first practice where the refs were brought in, um, and so you know, typically when they've done their team periods, they've been doing this thing where, regardless of where they start, they usually just go in like 15-yard increments, no matter what happened, whether it was a run pay play, pass play, even if the off, even if there's a sack, they still keep moving the ball up 15 yards, 15 yards. Well, this last team period, they actually had it where they were doing down and distance. They had a chain. They, they had the full refing crew. So this was actually kind of like the first team full session where we would expect them, kind of the mechanics of it to go. And the defense did extremely well. I mean, you know, the defense. Just, just real quick, yeah. I, even with the officials out there, I didn't notice a lot of flags. No, I didn't notice a lot of flags. I think I want to say Jordan Perriman may have had a hold on Roma Dunze on, the, on one of the plays down the field. Um, other than that, there, I think starts. there was a there was a personal foul on the offense for something because they went 15 yards back. I couldn't have told you what it was. I don't know if it was after the play, or if it was you know one of those where you're grabbing a face mask or doing something. But um, but and overall, there's also a thing where if there's an offside or a false start or something like that, they have a sign by the mouth of the tunnel where the offenders have to go run to it, touch it, and then come back. So whatever whatever they're in the middle of. They have to stop, they get out of the drill, and they have to get replaced. Um, didn't see any of that during the final team period. Saw that a couple times during the rest of the day. But overall, again, I think the defense did really well. There was a couple sacks. Uh, Voitin, if he had a pass defense, a, a, a batted ball off of Dale Morris. Uh, Maurice Himes, sack right, right, right through the middle. Um, was really impressive, so they they looked really good. I thought I thought the defense overall carried the day, especially in that final drill. Yeah, uh, Jordan Perryman again. I think he, you know he surely stands out, but he's going up against Romu Dunsey quite a bit, so he's an obvious target. But uh, we're seeing a lot of Jordan Perryman out there making plays, and he plays real physical. It just seems like when him and Rome are going at it, you know, he's pushing Rome, and Rome is pushing off. So and there's a lot of talking. Oh yeah, a lot of talking. The- Perryman's a super confident kid anyways when you get a chance to listen to him and listen to him talk. But I guarantee you the chatter between him and Rome, that's probably as good as you're going to get in terms of what you'd see on the field. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because we talk to the freshmen and then we talk to these fifth and sixth-year seniors. And, you know, a guy like Jordan Perryman, you can tell he's a grown-up. 
he's an adult. You know, Michael Penix, you know, he's a real mature guy too. So it's always interesting to see the maturity level on these fifth and sixth year guys, you know, and the, and the freshmen coming in who still trying to find their way. I think you were telling us that you asked Jordan whether or not he came here specifically to get to the pros, to be one of those next DBs in line. And he said, you know, you could, you could get to the pros if you were at UC Davis because they'll find guys. That won't be a problem. I think he just wanted to get tested against the, the Power 5 guys. I think he wanted to get tested against Pac-12 guys. I think, I think he took it personal. I think he wants to just compete against the best guys that he can find, and, and, and that's something that can be said about him. Yeah, and even you know, talking to Ryan Grubb, you know, he talks about you know, coming in and the size and the depth that you have with personnel here, and you take a look at Jordan Perryman, and now every practice he's going up against guys that are physically bigger than probably what he faced all of the last couple of years, and then you know, every week he's going to get tested in the Pac-12. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's no doubt. And and he's not a small guy, by the way. No, he's not a small guy. And again, he matches up really well against Adunze, and Adunze is legitimate, six two, two hundred pounds. So and and he'll and he's one of the faster guys on the offense. So yeah, I mean, they're they're battling, and you can tell. I mean, it hasn't been one of those things where Adunze will just kind of travel between, you know, one side or the other, or what have you. Parent, they they lock up. Because it, it, I think the coaches want to see those guys get after it a little bit. Because I, I have a sense, this is just me spitballing, but I have a sense that they want the rest of the DBs and receivers to watch that competition as an example of how to do it and, and, what, and what, it, what it's going to be required to be able to play at the highest level possible, to play at this level. Yeah, it's also interesting. I know we don't want to get into schemes and much, but, you know, what I'm seeing out here is, you know, with Jimmy Lake being the DB coach, he always had his guys playing off and safety's deep not to give up that big play. That's not what we're seeing with this defense. Yeah, even though, you know, we're still not in full pads yet, they won't be full pads until Wednesday. Um, you know, they, they, they did have some shoulder pads on today and whatnot. So even though a little though, bit of thud. A little bit yeah. I mean that's Ryan Grubb said they you know, they've just been going thud tempo and that's uh, that's all you're gonna see at this point. But yeah, even even that said, the the front seven has been getting after Washington's offensive line. Um, I think we've talked about it. Scott and Josh and I have talked about it, you've talked about it a little bit in the first couple of days. Um, you know, right now, in terms of that battle, the front seven between the offensive line and defensive line, it sure feels like the defensive line is really up there and, and has really has kind of a decided edge. Now, that being said, you know, Jackson Kirkland didn't participate in a lot of, of the practice today. Um, so that means Julius Bulow was at left tackle. You know, of course, um, that moves Troy Fautanu into left guard anyways. But now you're starting to see Victor Kern run a little bit more with the right tackle uh, spot again. But Roger Rosengarten still getting thrown right into the fire. Um, I think he's handled it really, really well. But, um, you know, he's, he's definitely taken some lumps. And we've been doing this long enough to know that some practices are designed to make the offense go and some practices are de- designed to make the defense go. So, you know, you know, there's a post on the board, you know, ma- mentioning concerns about the offensive line, you know, day three, not pads, you know, and still trying to mix a match up there. I think it's way too early to have any, you know, really sense of what we're going to see with that offensive line. It, it is too early, but again, we have the benefit of, knowing what this group did last year, <coughs> excuse me, and, um, you know, it's not much has changed in terms of the personnel. So we kind of know the bodies. We just don't necessarily know the schemes they're going to run and those kinds of things. That being said, 
it's it's it is difficult first week all that stuff i get it but typically and traditionally defenses usually are running ahead of the offenses early in fall camp that's traditionally kind of how it's been yeah i if i asked you is the current defense closer to the defense that's been run in the past or is the current offense closer to being run uh in the past and i would definitely say this defense is more like what we've seen in the past and the offense is what we've seen in the past i agree and with the with the wrinkle that you just said in terms of aggressiveness in terms of maybe more bodies at the line um not so much the bail technique and some of those things that we've right. seen in the past. It, it, they still do it. I mean, they, they always have to have all that stuff in their arsenal. But I think, you know, when we talk about Perryman and Odunzi locking up, you know, it might be Jalen Polk or Jalen McMillan against Mish Powell. You know, you get those guys locked up. Um, those are, you know, we're seeing a lot more of that than – allowing the guys on the outside maybe a little bit more cover than, than, they, than they've had in the past. Yeah, I think with this defense, you're going to see a more aggressive defense, which the fans are going to love. But with a more aggressive defense, you're also going to give up a lot more of the uh, deep plays, which the fans are going to really go crazy. But, I mean, you, it's hard to get them both. But uh, I'm seeing a lot more aggressive defense and, you know, willing to take a few more chances. So you're going to love the turnovers. You're going to hate the big plays that we're not used to seeing over the past several years. Yeah, and there were a couple big plays I think we can roll into the into the quarterbacks they you know Dylan Morris had a huge bomb to Denzel Boston it was great to see Denzel uh, show up again this is the second day where he's had a couple plays where he's been noticeable um, I thought Devin Culp uh, I saw gear coming from Devin Culp on a, a pass catch and a, uh, you know sprinting down the sidelines I didn't know he was that fast yeah no he did that uh, Jack Westover should have scored a touchdown because he was kind of running clear. It was it was clearly a bust on the defense. And unfortunately, he was leaning the wrong way and of going out of bounds. Um, he should have had a touchdown. So they had their moments. Definitely offense had their moments. And I think, like you said, to, to, to your point about kind of there may be more big plays down the road, the quarterbacks here have to take advantage of that. And I think that's been one of the problems is that they do sometimes get the one-on-ones down the middle or they get the one-on-ones deep. For every one or two that they've hit, there's been a number of others where they've either overthrown them or there's been a miscommunication. You know, maybe one of the receivers is looking more back shoulder and they're throwing it more towards the more towards in the seam. So, you know, they're 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 still obviously learning these things and, and trying to figure it out. Again, third day. That being said, I, I really was impressed with the with the defense, especially at the end. Yeah, just you know, with what they're doing with the quarterbacks, you know, it, they're typically having when they're running scrimmages, you know, or live a little bit. They've typically got the top two quarterbacks out on the field at Husky Stadium, and then the third quarterback out on the East Field. So day one, Sam Heward was. Um, out on East Field, um, day two, um, Dylan Morris was out on the East Field, and day three today, Michael Panix has uh, been on the East Field. So, you know, when you take a look at that, on the first day of practice, Michael Penix was probably the best quarterback. Today, Sam, he- yesterday, Sam Heward was the best quarterback, and today, Dylan Morris was the best quarterback. Yeah, I, th- I think Dylan had a great day uh, of the three. Um, I, you know, it was weird, you know, Pennick struggled against air early in the, in the, in the practice. He was overthrowing deeper receivers. There was again, maybe some miscommunications on some routes. 
um, where he was he he thought a guy was going to zig and he's and the other guy zagged. Um, yeah, there's it, it's just um, it's been inconsistent and and that is you you would expect one of the guys that was getting the majority of the reps to be one of the guys that stood out and in that case that's been true. But um, I asked Penix specifically after the practice, you know, how did they do the player run practices? How the coaches are splitting up the reps now for fall camp? And he said, yeah, we all took ownership of it, all three of us. We all split them up evenly. We all did it the exact same way you guys are seeing it now. Um, so this is not this is not unfamiliar territory for these guys. They've been working on a lot of the same stuff in the player run practices all summer. So. You know, at some point it'll probably hit, but we, you know, we are getting starting to get into the dog days already in day three. Um, you know, for us, we're already halfway through all the practices that we're going to be able to see. Yeah. Halfway through, Chris. already halfway through. We've only been here day three, um, and we're only going to get to see one full padded practice, and that's on and that's Wednesday. So it's difficult to tell, and hopefully by then, you'll see guys settle down and kind of find their niche and find their rhythm. And whatnot, but you're right. I mean, I thought I thought Penix had a great day first day. I thought Sam really stepped up yesterday, but today it was Dylan's show, and I thought he had moments where he really flashed. But again, at that final team period, he was the one, and you noted it. He, his arm he drops down a little bit, and Void Tanufi bats the ball down. It was a great play by Void, but he got helped by by what. Dylan was doing. Yeah, Scott and I were talking about if you're an outsider coming in and you didn't know the pecking order or know anything about this team and you had to, you know, give me the first, second, and third quarterback, I don't think there's any way that anybody could really say that one quarterback is jumping out or one isn't playing well. I don't think there's it. I mean, I, I thought that going into this that Michael Penix would definitely be the starter. And from what I've seen, I'm starting to have a little bit of doubt in that. And I think not sure that I would say that Michael Penix um, isn't playing great. I just think with the playbook that Dylan Morris and Sam Heward have elevated their game because they understand the offense more. I think that's fair. I also think that they, they know kind of what the shot is right now. And what the shot is is that they're all going to get equal reps. So it's almost inherently set up so that one guy isn't necessarily going to outperform the other guys during that week. And like we've just kind of laid out, one guy may have a good day compared to the other two, but it's going to be kind of round robin. <laughs> you know, it's going to be one guy one day, another guy another day, another guy another day. And that's really how it's panned out. Unfortunately, by the time we get into week two of this thing, we're not going to be able to see it, and we're not going to be able to really be a fair judge of kind of how this thing panned out. Obviously, we've let our thoughts know in terms of we think Michael Penix is going to be the guy. If, if, if there was a gun to our head today, Kim, that's probably the guy we'd pick. Probably. But at the same time. But not based on performance. Not necessarily based on, well, let's put it this way, not based on jumping ahead, like being a clear front yeah. runner. There is no clear front runner right now in this group. We are simply trying to go with the educated guesses based on why Penix came here in the first place his understanding of what Kalen DeBoer wants and that comfort level. And then also the fact that he is a, a real veteran compared to the fact that, that Dylan Morris has started a bunch of games. This is true. But Michael Penix has three full seasons where he's been a starter at the Big Ten level. He hasn't finished any of those seasons, which is another reason why Sam Heward and Dylan Morris really need to keep the pressure up on Michael Penix because 
they could be a play away from being the starter the rest of the season. Yeah, and just when we're talking to the three quarterbacks, you know, in the interview sessions, you know, just had a chance to talk to Michael today. And you can tell he's a leader. I mean, it doesn't take long to figure out, and he's a mature guy. But like I said, this this quarterback situation, you know, I, I wish we could be a fly on the wall and see what's really going on because right now I don't think there's any clear-cut leader, and I don't think there's any clear-cut number three quarterback either. Yeah, and so I know that a lot of people probably think think it's lip service when they hear Ryan Grubb or they hear Kalen DeWar say, hey, if we could name a starter today, we would. I, I truly believe they probably would if they felt that confident about it. But I also think that they are so wedded to this week of equal reps that it just wouldn't be fair to anybody. Even if they already know in the back of their head and they already have an inkling of who they're going to name as a starter and they may have had that in the back of their head even since summer, it's just not it's just not something that would have been in the cards because of the way that they've laid this thing out. And Chris, you know, going into that spring ball, I think Michael Penix was way ahead of Sam and Dylan in their understanding and knowledge of the offense. That that gap is dramatically shrunk if there's any at all. Yeah, I think that there's no doubt that he again, he has not separated himself. They've started to match. Yeah. Where where he where they all kind of need to be. Uh, again, it's inconsistent. Again, when they went to that final team period, none of them looked good. I don't think any of them looked good. I think they, one of them, one or two of them may have had a play here and there where it looked kind of how it's supposed to look. Um, I, again, talking about Dylan Morris's day, he had a really good pass along the sideline to Jalen Polk, and then he had another great pass to, I think it was Westover, for a touchdown. And it, and it looked the part. Like, that's that's how it's supposed to look. One of the interesting things that they're doing, and I don't know if you picked up on this, um, you know, because we all focus on different things, but um, about midway through practice when the quarterbacks were taking the rep, I thought it was real interesting, especially when uh, Dylan Morris was, um, you know, taking his reps. Sam Heward was behind him um, doing the mental reps, you know, and he was locked in as though he was going to get the snap. And right before the ball was thrown, you know, Sam would point to where he would have thrown the ball and I'd say about half the time you know Dylan threw it to where you know to what Sam was seeing and the other half he threw it to you know somewhere different so I thought that was pretty did you notice that at all I don't know if I noticed that specifically but I will say that it doesn't matter if it's a team period down or if it's just a, a, a down or a rep in the individual periods the coaches are so dialed in on this one and oh on this every play matters, every rep matters, that it doesn't surprise me that those guys have to show that they're locked in because, they, again, they have that, that sign by the tunnel where if you're not locked in and you fall start or you do something that, you, that, that, that affects the team negatively in terms of penalty yardage or something, you're going to run. Um, we saw it yesterday with Michael Penix. Even though he did, wasn't necessarily at fault because I think the snap was poor, and it ended up being um, the one that Savall Smalls took in. It was a fumble recovery for a touchdown. Penix was the one that was doing the, the bear crawls, and he was the one that was at the end kind of suffering because of it. But, again, that, you know, that's, that's what the quarterbacks have to do is the leaders of these, of, the, of these guys, and that's why it's not surprising when a guy like Sam is watching what those guys are doing or Dylan, if he's waiting and watching to see what those guys are doing, all three of those guys, Kim, at this point, they're they have to be they're like conjoined at the hip, and it's it it's just one of those things where I think all three of them understand 
that no matter who ends up winning this competition, all three of them are going to have to be ready, and they're going to have to be at their best. Because when you talk about that next man up philosophy, it's you ha- quarterback is like a totally different animal. It's one thing like if you're the left guard or something like that, and it's next man up. You may not get caught out, even though the tape may show it down the road. But if you're the quarterback and you're the next man up and you make a mistake, it's every, everybody in the stands knows it. And that's the thing that I think these guys, have, have, I think that's what's been impressed upon them. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, and taking a look at the wide receivers, you know, what we've been seeing here the first few days, I think it's pretty obvious the first four are set in stone with Romu Dunsey, uh, Jalen McMillan, Jalen Polk, and um, Giles Jackson. But there's a guy, the fre- uh, there's a freshman who's really making a move. I think he's had a re- couple of really good days, and that's Denzel Boston. Um, he's he's a tall wide receiver, seems real athletic, seems to run real well. He's thin, he needs to put on some weight, but uh, it sure looks like he's got a high ceiling from what we've seen, and he seems to be uh, making a bid to see the field early as a freshman. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the numbers may dictate whether or not he sees the field, because you just talked about all the guys that are in front of him. I would also add Taj Davis, and I thought Taj Davis had a really good day today. Um, I thought he was actually one of the standout guys to me. I thought Jalen Polk had a really nice day. I thought, to be honest with you, I thought uh, Odunze and Jalen McMillan had okay days, but I didn't think they were the standout guys. And, and Giles Jackson, for as big a day as he had in day one, haven't really seen as much of him Wasn't in targeted. the last couple of days. Yeah. So, but, yeah, Denzel Boston, to me, definitely the, the size stands out. Um, but, again, he is a guy that yesterday kind of showed up just a little bit. Then today on a scramble – Heward hits him on like a 70, 75-yard bomb, and it was a legit bomb. I mean, he caught the ball like inside the 10. And so, um, yeah, if he keeps showing up, he keeps making plays like that, it's going to be hard to keep him off the field. That said, again, gun to my head, I don't see him playing this year just because I so many guys in front of him. But with this offense, could you have five, six guys that, that catch 15 to 20 balls each? I don't know. We'll see what happens. Alphabet soup in the running back room because I don't know that there's a clear leader and a lot of the guys that didn't practice in uh, fall ball, uh, spring ball, excuse me, um, you know, and uh, Coach um, uh, why my, Lee Marks said that, yeah, they're trying to get more looks on the guys that they didn't get to see, like Sam Adams, um, uh, Cam Davis, and Richard Newton. They're getting more of the reps right now. They are, and it's, it's interesting to me that the guy – that got the most reps in spring, Aaron Dumas, not getting much at all. JV on Sunday, yeah. the guy who got the second most reps in spring, not much at all. Yeah. And so I think they, I think that's really put a fine point on the fact that they want to get all the guys that you mentioned, as well as the two transfer kids, yeah. uh, Will Nixon and Wayne Talapapa. And uh, again, those guys, I think they've stood out. Scott, if, for the people that were reading our um, our thread on the on the practice today. 
uh, he he noticed that that you know they were doing the pass pro for the first time this year, right? With the receipt with the um, running backs going up against the linebackers, and I thought all the transfer guys and Cam Davis looked really good in it. The guys that were struggling were, you know, the guys like Dumas or Sunday or Adams. Th- those guys were having a little tougher time of it. But that said, that's such a huge part of it. And but you can tell the guys that have already played a little bit, like Dal Papa, Cam Davis. Those are guys that I would say are are probably the most veteran guys. And and, and now Richard Newton would be in that group, and I would expect him to get plenty of time. But he's he's still a little banged up, and so they're not going to put him in a situation where he's going to have to go up against the linebacker and uh, and go through those types of things. But for the guys that were available and did it. I thought Nixon did well. I thought Talapapa did well. I thought uh, Davis did well, uh, and um, so yeah. So we'll, we'll, it's just fun to watch those things because they don't do it very often. So this was the first time we got a chance to see it. Yeah, and if you're wondering what that noise is, it's the Blue Angels. <laughs> so uh, we're just kind of in between Husky Stadium and the East Field. So it looks like the Blue Angels have arrived today. So uh, we'll see. But anything else jump out at you today? I, like I said, I was, you know, that catch that Devin Culp made. And I think Devin's had a really good camp. Um, Jack Westover, um, you know, he's um, he hasn't really flashed. But you know what you're going to get with Jack. Well, Jack definitely showed up today for me more than the first two days, and as well as Quentin Moore. I thought Quentin Moore had a couple plays today where he's just so big. He's going to be awfully hard to ignore. And those three guys have really separated themselves now. Like Zeke Palour has gotten some reps in. I think he might factor in a little bit, but I don't see Ryan Grubb and DeBoer. I don't see those guys going too much deeper than – the three tight ends that have really featured up to this point. You never know. I mean, because I think, I think to be honest with you, because they're multiple, we, I think we'll still see some ideas where they'll have two, two tight ends, maybe even three tight ends in certain situations. Um, that said, the, the pecking order is very clear at the tight end room. As far as the offense, it's as clear as any position group on that side of the ball with Culp and Westover and, and Quentin Moore. I mean, th- those three guys have really stood out. Final thoughts, Chris Fetters, end of day three. Um, just I thought it was a really good day in terms of, first of all, you know, gorgeous day, um, fun to watch those guys. A lot of uh, family out here today. So we got a chance, like uh, Garen Hatchett's dad was here, Sam Adams' dad was here. So got a chance to see those guys, which was, which was good. Um, again, you know, final thoughts on this particular day, day three. Uh, defense won the day. Um, you know, <laughs> Sam Ewart, he, he got bracketed on that play yesterday with Tom Hampton, and the same thing happened today with Zion. Zion dropped all the way back, and he didn't see him. And he should have caught the ball, but didn't. Yeah. He ended up falling backwards and couldn't hold on to it. Um, I know he was pissed off about that. He wanted that one badly. Um, but I think overall, again, it's you know there, there's a lot of moving pieces on that defense right now. Uh, even a guy like Chris Mole had a nice pass deflection. Um, is starting to show up a little bit more and more. That's what you're going to get with a veteran guy like him and Cam Bright. Um, they're starting to impose themselves. Alfonso Tupatala showed up a little bit today. Daniel Hamuli, I think, showed up a little bit at the end as well. So that's a, that's a positive sign. Um, but, yeah, overall, still early. Um, would love to see these guys at full pads more, but we're not going to see them until middle of next week. Thankfully, we get a chance to see them, but 
Um, I'm going to be very excited to see what that happens because that's when the real hitting starts to happen. Yeah, good to be out here, you know, and, and you know, we're still getting to know these coaches. Jamarcus Shepard's probably, I mean, it's tough to not, you know, gravitate towards Jamarcus, and he was out there again early in practice FaceTiming, and I'm sure he was FaceTiming with recruits. Um, I asked him if uh, there'd ever been a time where uh, Coach DeBoer had told him to take it down a notch because he's just so animated and so vocal and he kind of laughed and he goes yeah one time when I swore and he came over and told me I said yeah but he gives you that look every once in a while and he goes oh yeah but Jamarcus Shepard's just a, I mean he's a fun guy I mean he really is a fun guy to have out here um, and then again talking to Michael Penix and Ryan Grubb who Jackson Kirkland described as the wizard so it was good to talk to him and and Lee Marks and um, I was telling Lee um, you know we were I was looking through an old recruiting list that we have from back in the day from 2000 2000 2001, the A and the B list, you know, that we used to get. But uh, Lee Marks was listed as a recruit for University of Washington. He said, was I an A or a B? I said, you were an A, and he started laughing. Of course I was. So. Well, and like, and like him, he started yeah. to lose, lose his voice, too. Yeah, I asked him if there was one, I mean, was that a blown assignment, a fumble, or yelling at his kids? And he just kind of said, yeah, all of it. So, um, yeah, he definitely lost his voice today. But it's good to be back out here, especially on the warm weather. That first day of practice was a little brutal because it was windy and a little bit colder and raining, and we were not dressed for it. So that was the worst thing, but just a gorgeous day. So. Halfway through practice for us, we got three more days that we'll be able to, um, you know, come out here uh, Sunday. Uh, we got a former intern coming back with us. Jack McCauley's going to share a visit with us, and then hopefully next week we'll have uh, Josh back with us, intern Josh. But, uh, you know, we're having fun. We're grinding. We're getting the work done. So, anyways, just a reminder, if you're looking for those regular updates as well as breaking news alerts, shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, and uh, subject line newsletter. Again, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter, so we'll get you hooked up. We've got a couple more days left on our 50% promotion, so we'll get you covered all through spring ball and through the season 50% off on your uh, subscription to dogman.com and uh, you know if if you're a true hardcore husky fan you're going to find it at dogman.com nobody does as much and in depth as uh, we get into so for all of us at dogman.com scott eklund had to scoot out a little bit early uh josh wadka is uh josh has got a twin i don't know if i told you that but uh his uh um his brother's going to arizona state so he's packing up and heading out today i, I told a story about my son you know when he was looking at colleges and he says i think i want to go to arizona state i said me too you're not so uh josh helping move his son, uh, brother in and uh, hopefully have him back on. No, Monday's an off day, by the way. Yeah, Monday's Tomorrow, tomorrow's a day and then we get an off day. So to let people know, just to give a, a brief uh, kind of preview of things going on, obviously we'll have some interviews and whatnot with some of the players and coaches that we've talked to the last couple of days. Jack McCauley and Luke Bunger, the intern emeritus, they actually put together a podcast uh, of themselves for kind of pre-fall or fall and all that stuff. So we'll run that on Monday because we'll have a day off. We won't actually have anything to pod that day. So we're gonna we're gonna give it to Jack and and give it to Luke, and they're gonna they're gonna keep the train rolling on the podcasts. Yeah, and then uh, hopefully next week I'm gonna get a chance to do a little bit of basketball stuff. There's a couple things percolating on basketball that uh, fans will be happy with. So we'll touch bases with that next uh, on that next week as well. So for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters. Go dogs.